Hey, this is David Merrill, pastor of the Well Church. I would like to first thank you for downloading the app and listening to what God is doing through the life and ministry of the Well Church. I would also ask that before you listen to this message, that you would pray that God not only continues to transform lives through this ministry, but also that as you hear the Word of God proclaimed, pray that the Holy Spirit would convict you in areas that your life has not been given over to God, empower you to repent and turn, but also embolden you to be doers of the word and not simply hearers, in order that you become a light in your homes, in your schools, in your workplaces, and even in your local church body. Let us be radically in love with Jesus and radically in love with his people. Once again, I just thank you for listening, and may God bless you abundantly. We have been studying this for the past four weeks. And if you're like me, you're like, man, were we still talking about the temple and the priesthood? And Jesus being the fulfillment of that. And, and I've wrestled with that. I'm like, man, maybe I should just move on because we've been sitting on this topic for like three, four weeks now. And, but the truth is, is because we're going through the Bible exegetically, I didn't write this, right? It just keeps, the author of Hebrews keeps putting it in there, which means that the Holy Spirit wants us to learn something. So let's read uh, Hebrews chapter nine, verse one. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary. So what is he talking about? Let's just stop real quick. So he, he's talking about this old covenant. Remember, remember the tabernacle. So we're going to jump back into the tabernacle. This is the tabernacle. This is the, the mobile home of the Old Testament, right? This is God's mobile home before the temple, before the, the brick and mortar. This is when they, the, the Israelites had to pack this up every time they moved and then put it back out every time God sat down. And so what they would do, this is about 150 feet long by 75 feet wide, okay? And so imagine this building. This building is about 35 feet wide. I think it's a long, wide, 35 feet. I think we measured it for one reason or not. And then I think it's 80 to 90 feet long. That's this building, okay? Double this building, and that's what that is, all right? And, and then you have, so you have this outer court, this outer wall that's made of this, this fabric material. And then right here on the east gate is we have this gate that's 35 feet long. That's how you enter into the tavern. That's how you enter into the outer courts. And the first thing that you would see when you walk into the outer courts of the East Gate is something called the brazen altar. Now, this brazen altar is where they used to sacrifice the animals. There was a grate on this brazen altar where they would put the animals. There was these horns on each corner of the, of the altar. And what the, the, the horns were there for was they would tie the animal to the horns. They would take Mary, little lamb, and they would slit his throat. Blood would drip out, they take the bull, they take the animal, they take the lamb, and they stick it, they offer it as a sacrifice to God. Over and over and over again. Day in, day out. Then the high priest or the priest, they would leave the brazen altar and they would go to what was known as the laver. The laver was a, basically a holy bathtub. They would wash and they would cleanse and they would go to so the laver is right there. So they would go through the laver, they'd cleanse themselves, they'd wash themselves before they could enter, enter into the tabernacle, which is the tent of meetings, which is what we just saw, that little tent right there off into the corner. But what do these things have to do with Christ? Okay, what do these things have to do with Christ? The laver and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, um, the brazen altar. Remember, the brazen altar, in the Old Testament, the, the materials that God gave to build these things, all the materials meant something. The brazen altar, brass or bronze, it, it was actually that, that material was representative of God's judgment against sin. And so the first thing that you saw when you entered into the tabernacle, into the tent of, or into the outer courts, through the 30-foot gate, east gate, you would see this, this, this 
altar that represented the judgment of God's sins because you are a sinner and you need sacrifice for your sins. That's what that's sitting here for. And then you move past that and you get to that laver. Remember the laver, the laver was the holy bath of the wash to cleanse from your sins. What do we see in 1 John? We see that how Jesus kind of fulfills both the, the, the brazen altar and the laver in his sacrifice. 1 John, G, uh, John says this, but if we walk in light as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, the son cleanses us from all sins. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what does Jesus do? He fulfills everything that's in the outer court through the blood of the, of, of the sacrifice. He not, only, he not only appeases the judgment of God through his sacrifice, the blood that must be shed, and he offers up himself, but he also cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He cleanses us from the sin. Before we could enter into the presence of God, the sanctuary, the tabernacle, we must, be, we must have a sacrifice and we must be cleansed. Jesus does both. But I want you to notice something here. Notice something here. Where are these two things? The laver and the, and the brazen altar? They're outside. Which means that everybody can see these things. These weren't secret. The, the offering that was laid on the, the, the lamb that was slaughtered, the bull that was slaughtered, the goat that was slaughtered, it wasn't hidden from the people of Israel. A Jew can look through the gate. A Jew can walk in. Actually, a Jew can bring in their offering, and they can see in the outer courts. They can see the sacrifice. And what do we see with Jesus? Jesus came into this world and made himself known. He didn't hide himself. He didn't keep himself secret. In fact, he was slaughtered outside of the camp for all Jews and Greeks to be to see on on Golgotha on the mountain. Jesus' sacrifice, his cleansing work as the perfect Lamb, was made known for all people in all places in all the world to see it wasn't hidden it wasn't a secret not special as a special elite the elect didn't get to see this and you know that it's not just the high priest or the priest that got to see this everybody got to see this they got to see the sacrifice and jesus offers up for everybody but here's the thing before you can get to see what's going on in the tabernacle you have to go through the laver and the brazen altar Right? And so in order for you to see God's work at the next step in the holy place, in the holy of holies, before you can actually get into the presence of God, you must go through the sacrifice and the cleansing, which is what Jesus says in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, Jesus says this to Nicodemus. He says to him, most assuredly, he says, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What is that? What is he talking about here? He said, unless you have the sacrifice, unless you are cleansed, unless you are washed clean, unless you go through the outer court, you cannot get to the tabernacle. You cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot see the secret stuff. You cannot see what the elect gets to see because in the tabernacle is what the elect gets to see. What is that? We see here in verse 2, this is what the elect, this is what the chosen, this is what the priests get to see. For a tabernacle was prepared. The first part in which the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the veil, uh, and behind the second veil, the part of the, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, 
which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with the gold, in which, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of, of, gold, of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things, we cannot now speak in detail. Okay, so... You have the outer court. Jesus fulfills that for all to see. You get through you through Jesus. Now you get to see the good stuff. Okay, only through Jesus. I am the gate. I am the way. I am the way. So through my sacrifice, through my my blood, you get to now enter into the tabernacle, the tent, the kingdom of God. You get to see my work as your priest. That I my daily work. And if you enter in to the tabernacle, this is a tabernacle. It's forty five feet long, fifteen feet wide. Okay, it's 15 feet high. The holy of all, the most holy place, the holy place is this little back corner. It's 15 by 15 by 15, which do the math, 45 minus 15. So you got 30 feet by 15 by 15 in the holy place. Okay, so let's take the holy place. This is where most of the daily work was done. This is where the articles were found. On the right, as soon as you walk into the building, on the right, you have the table of showbread. On the left, you have the lampstand. And right in the center of you, you have the altar of incense. On the right, we talked about this table of showbread. This is where the 12, the 12 pieces of bread were laid and stacked every week, and that represented the people of Israel. Every week, and then every week they'd remove those, the old bread. The priest would get to eat that bread. They put new bread up. On the left, you had the lampstand. The lampstand, what do we see? The lampstand was there to not only light the area, to light the, the, um, the, the room, but it represented, we saw last week as it was beaten gold, that it was the seven spirits we saw in Revelation. But also in Revelation 21, it says that in the new heavens and new earth, that what's going to light our path, what is going to light the eternal uh, heaven and earth is the lampstand. And who is the lampstand? The lamb, Jesus. So Jesus represents the lamb, a lamp. He represents the showbread, the table of showbread, as we saw last week, that he provides. And then he also intercedes, which he represents the, inner, the, 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 the incense, the table of altar of incense. In fact, Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 12, he says this, I am the light of this world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That Jesus is our light. So our high priest does three things. He feeds us, he lights our path, and he intercedes for us. That's what Jesus does for you. Right now, we talked about this. You know, uh, Lee, when you pray, God hears you, not because you're awesome, when you pray, God listens to you, not because you've done anything, and not even, you pray because you have a high priest sitting at the right hand of the Father who takes your prayers and says, this prayer is acceptable before us because he comes through me. I am your high priest. I intercede on your behalf. You pray, I accept it. It's accepted because it comes through a great high priest. So he intercedes for us. He lights us. The Bible says he's also the bread of life that we, we will never go hungry through him. He is our sustenance. And the holy priest, the priest would do this every day. Okay, so you go through the tabernacle. Now, now stay with me. I know this is, this is, especially if you're new, you're like, man, this is not a good Christmas message. It'll get there. <laughs> we'll talk about reindeer in a second. Okay, um, you get through the, the holy place and you get to the holy of holies. And this is what he says in verse 6. Now, when these things have been thus prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle, performing the service. And then it says, but into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, 
not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. Okay, so you walk into the holy place. You walk through a six-inch veil, and you get to this table called the what? What's the table called? It's the Ark of Covenant. It's not really a table, it's an ark. It's a box. In this box, you have the, the, ten, you have the ten, ten Commandments. You have Aaron's staff that's budding. You have a jar of manna. On top of it, there's a lid. It creates the table. There's cherubim that are facing inwards, two angels looking at each other, bowing down, creating a platform, a seat. It's called the mercy seat. This is where the presence of God would dwell. And God says in the Old Testament, create the mercy seat. What does he say? Because this is where I will meet my people. Question, when did God meet his people? Like think about, I was thinking about it this week. When did God actually meet his people? Because, I mean, honestly, nobody just walked into the Holy of Holies. You didn't just go as a Jew. I don't care how prestigious. You didn't walk in as a Jew to the Holy of Holies and stand before the Ark. You ain't, you're not, you know, what is it, uh, uh, Indiana Jones. You can't just pick up the Ark. Like, you will die. You can't stand in the presence of God. So when did God actually meet with his people? How did that happen? He says in verse 7, he says, but the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood. In order for God to meet with his people, it wasn't going to be with his people. It was going to be with one person, and he could not meet with this person but once a year. And even that once a year, he had to carry a bowl of blood with him in order for that to take place. The high priest would walk in every year. And so if you were a regular Jew and you, you, did, you were not of the Levitic priesthood, you were not of the Aaronic priesthood, you were not chosen to be high priest, much less, because you were not even of the priesthood, you ain't walking in, you ain't meeting with the, with the holy God. So God meeting with his people, you didn't, he didn't meet with you. You had to put your trust in a high priest who had to have a bowl of blood in his hands. It's so much different on this side of the cross. Because what does it say? Jesus becomes our high priest. These are all symbols. These are all patterns. These are all types that are fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is our high priest, but he doesn't offer sacrifices in a temple that's made with hands. He offers a sacrifice in a place of, of kingdom, his kingdom tabernacle, and his kingdom temple, that Jesus is doing the work of a high priest in a heavenly tabernacle is what it says. Now listen to this. We should praise God for this because where he's doing his work is where we will be. Listen to me, I don't want to spend the, all of eternity in a tent in the middle of a desert. I'm going to spend all of eternity with him where he is. At, where he is. And then the truth is, is right now our feet are planted firm on this earth, but our minds and our hearts should be where he is. Because that's our home. That's where our work is done. That's where he does. So your feet are planted firm here to do the kingdom work, but your minds and hearts are in heaven. Let me ask you a question. Is that true of you? Like, is that true of us? Like, the kingdom work, like, I, I know we're here. I know we live here. And we've got a lot of work to do. But is your, is your mind, is your heart where Jesus is? You know, and, and, and look, I know it's easy during the, the pandemic for you to say, man, I'm just, I just want to be with Jesus. Like, I've heard that a lot more lately, which is good. But it's just because what the pandemic re reveals to us is this is not our home. It's not a place of comfort anymore. It used to be a place of comfort. This used to be nice, right? We could just chill out. You don't have to wear a mask when you don't want to, right? You just do whatever you want to do. 
And now every time you walk around, you know, you have these symbols, the mask, you have lockdowns, you have everything reminding you that you don't get to do it. This is not your home. It's not comfortable anymore. You see, the one holiday that we should be reminded that this isn't our home is Christmas. But what we've done with it? Did you know last year we spent $1 trillion on Christmas? Did you know it would take about $2.5 billion a year to end world hunger? That's just America. America spent $1 trillion. Did you know that we spent the money that we spent on just Christmas decorations? Decorations. We could actually solve homelessness in America. And I'm not doing that to judge us or to, to, to condemn you or to make you feel guilty. I'm just saying, guys, we can't get off. We can't get off, off, off track. We are here for a reason. And, when this, and, the, and, and Christmas is the reminder of that, that we are here for a reason, but our minds and our hearts in a different place is in the kingdom of God. So everything we do here is, is motivated by that, is by that truth. So anyways, the author is, is, is he's going back to this priest in the Holy of Holies. And he says, man, God didn't meet with everybody there, but he met with this one dude, the, the high priest, who would take the bowl of blood in his hands and every, he'd go into the, on Yom Kippur, he'd go in there and take the mercy seat, take the blood, sprinkle it seven times. And he sprinkled it seven times. And when he's done sprinkling the blood on the, on the mercy seat, he'd leave the Ark of the Covenant. He'd leave the holy place. He'd walk through the holy place. He'd get out to the outer courts and he would scream, your sins are forgiven. That's what he would do every Yom Kippur. But then what is Jesus doing? How is Jesus a fulfillment of this? But the Holy Spirit indicates this. That the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make uh, him who performed the service perfect in regards to the conscience. Concerning only with food, concerned only with food and drink, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed unto the time of reformation. Okay, uh, so listen to this. So, the old covenant, it could only do one thing. The laver, the lampstand, the, the brazen altar, the ark of the covenant, the altar of incense, the, 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 all of this could only do one thing, and that can cleanse the outer. It could not cleanse the inner. This cannot cleanse the inner. You offer a sacrifice, it cleansed the outer, and it only cleansed of dead sins, and it only cleansed of the past year. What does it say? It's that he says he would stand out there and he said, your sins are forgiven. What sins? What sins are forgiven? All the sins you, for, you, you committed last year, all your dead sins, right? So this morning when you sinned, if I stood up here and I'm your high priest and I say your sins are forgiven, everything you did this morning was forgiven. Everything you did last week was forgiven. The problem is what happens when you leave here and you and your wife get a fight on a fight on the way home? Or what happens if you go home and there's a goat or there's a there's an ox in your yard and it breaks its ankle and nobody's looking and so you slaughter it for yourself and nobody sees it? I'm sure that's tempting. It's Old Testament law. <laughs> Something like that happens. Um, probably not as much as it used to, but it did. Uh, what happens? You got yeah, you could offer sacrifices here and there and offer your, your normal sacrifice, but the big one, you've got to wait 364 days. You well, see 360 days in the, in the Jewish calendar. You've got to wait a whole year before this happens again. 
You gotta wait a whole year before you gotta offer another bull, another goat before God. You, you, your sins are forgiven. It's your dead sins. It's your past works. You are, your outer is clean. See, God doesn't meet with you. He meets with the high priest and it only that once a year. But then you have the two greatest verses or two greatest words in the Bible. Do you know what that is? But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with human hands. That is not in creation, not in this creation. What is it saying? Saying Jesus came from a higher, he, from, the, from a heavenly tabernacle, not made with human hands, not a place that can be broken, not a place that's be destroyed. Read Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 17. You can't confine Jesus. You can't confine God. God doesn't dwell in a place with human hands. He doesn't dwell in a place where we're man-made. God is not confined to some, some building. God does not work in the tabernacle made with human hands. He says this, but Christ has come, but Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect t- uh, tabernacle not made with human hands that is not of this creation not with the blood of goats or calves but with his own blood not with the blood of let me just read that again not with the blood of goats or calves but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once and for all having obtained eternal redemption guys let me just, uh, this was good for me. Once and for all. This is unlike the old system. It says once and for all. Jesus not just brought a lamb. He didn't bring a bull. And this may be stuff that you already know. Oh, yeah, of course. Jesus didn't do. He didn't bring a lamb. He didn't bring a bull. He died for me. I get it. The cross, the blood. He is his own lamb. Jesus was lamb of God. I get it all. Guys, do you get it all? We understand this all, that Jesus actually became our sacrifice. He became our blood, and he did it once and for all. He did it. He saved to the uttermost anybody who sees him in the outer court, anybody who sees his sacrifice in the outer court, so that all those who receive him are cleansed from their sins and now can enter into the presence of God in the tabernacle of God, sitting and being the presence of the mercy seat of God, where God's presence dwells. You could actually engage and be with your creator. Because he saved us once and for all. He offers eternal security, eternal redemption, is what it says. For if the blood of the bulls and the goats and the ashes are the heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot or God, uh, spot to God, cleansing your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Listen. What's the difference here? The old covenant covers sins. The new covenant cleanses your sins. That's the difference. The old covenant covers your sins for the entire year. The bull, the blood, it covers your sins. When the high priest would bring the blood, the holy of holies, it covered your sin. It's like this. I have a new puppy, okay? This is what it's like. I have a new puppy, it poops and pees everywhere. Yeah, it's still, the worst dog is better than the best cat. Okay, so um, 
So we have a puppy, and it's pooping everywhere, and it's peeing everywhere, but it's getting better. We're training it. We're teaching it. Uh, when we first got it, every morning I would take it out. We have a crate train. We'd take it out, and uh, it would go to the bathroom, and I'd let it back in, and then I'd go back to sleep and while it's eating and doing whatever. And then every morning without fail, we'd go outside or go into my living room, and there is a pile on my carpet. And because my wife did not want the dog, I have the full responsibility of always cleaning up after this dog. But imagine, this is what it's like here, because imagine I walk in, and which is something I would probably do, especially early in the morning, take one of Savannah's sheets or blankets or towels and say, you know what, <laughs> that's filthy, uh, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I take this towel and it's done. It's clean, it's beautiful, like, you know, and, it's, and you can't see it anymore, it's under there, it's beautiful, it makes me a little bit, but it's okay, it's covered, and, and Savannah will never know the difference. Right? She would kill me. Uh, like I said, she would deter me to death. She'd pour oils down my throat. Um, that's, a, that's the picture here. Because the Old Testament blood, the, the covenant, it can cleanse. I mean, it could cover your sins from your past dead works of the Old Testament. But it could not cleanse you. It could not. He came to save us from the sin itself. He could not do that. It could only cover it. You guys know in the Old Testament, there were two sacrifices during the Day of Atonement. You had the first sacrifice, the first goat that was slaughtered, that was cut up, that was put in, on the altar, the brazen altar. The high priest would take the blood and he would go through the Holy of Holies and sprinkle it on the seven times on the, on the, on the Ark of the Covenant. But there was another goat. And they would take this goat and they would take it out of the court, out of, out of, 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 of the temple. They would go as far as they could, as, high, as far as they could, where the goat could not get back. This goat was called the scapegoat. You heard that phrase? And they would take it so far where it would get lost, it could not make its way back. It probably fall, it often fell off cliffs or it starved to death. You have this little goat out by itself. It's sad, huh? I mean, it really is sad. I mean, if you're laughing, you guys are right, we're, we're cruel. <laughs> we got some psychopaths in this room. Like, stupid goat. You know, I mean, but. No, guys, this is the biggest hang-up for most people. This is the hang-up for most people because it is wicked. It is cruel. I can't tell you how many people I'm talking to. It's like, God, God's a mean God. God's a wicked God. He's an evil God. He takes lambs and sheep and the slaughter, the blood that was in the Old Testament. And he, you know, all this imagery, like, you know, especially nowadays, everybody's trying to save all the animals. And so, you know, how could God allow this? Especially right now, because in, the new, in, in, in Jerusalem right now, they are working very hard to bring back the, 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 the offering of the lamb. They are slaughtered. They actually, I think they, they had their first lamb slaughter. That first sacrifice, they're, they're working on the, the, the temple, the temple institution in Jerusalem. They're in Israel. They are working on getting back the, the third temple and their sacrifice system. So this is a major incident, but it's this idea, how can God allow such a horrific thing for animals? Slaughtering of the bulls, slaughtering of the animals, leaving a little poor animal out to, be, to die, just to starve to death or to fall off a cliff. Guys, if you don't understand that, then you don't understand your sins. Because here's the, th here's the truth. It's either them or us. It was, it's either you taken out, put on a cross, you taken, put on the brazen altar, your blood being sacrificed for sin, or it's them. And God in his grace, because he loves you, 
blood has to be spilled. But anyway, so this altar, this sacrifice would go out. And then what would happen? The two sacrifices, you would have the, 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 the scapegoat. They would take it out and the priest would go out as far as he could. And then he would yell back to the priest. And it'd be like kind of chain. He would yell to this priest and this priest would yell to this priest and this priest would yell to this priest. And it would get all the way back to Jerusalem. And then what they would yell is, your sins are forgiven. Chain, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. All the way back to Jerusalem while the high priest is coming out of the Holy of Holies after he saying your sins are forgiven and so now we have the sacrifice and the scapegoat both providing a different aspect and element of the forgiveness of sins coming together and all of Israel would erupt all of Israel would worship he says that that's what happened with the bull offering how much more with Jesus how much more should the blood of Christ who thought who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot or God, or spot to God, cleansing your conscience from dead works. Turn to God. Because listen, this, this is where we're going to end. I hope you, st- you stuck, with, stuck with me on this one. Um, I know there's a lot and, it's, and it's, it's going back, but here's the difference. Jesus doesn't just cleanse you from your sin. He doesn't just save you from your sin or the penalty of your sin. He actually goes a step further. He makes you a new creation. This is the big difference. He saves you not only from the penalty, meaning that you can you 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 commit a sin, you 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 have the blood of the bull, you have the blood of Christ, and then you are no longer going to hell. You're no longer forg- you're forgiven of that sin, but you can keep on sinning or you keep walking in sin, you keep dead sin because you're dead in yourself. You're dead in yourself, but now you have a you have an offering to save you. That's not what Jesus does. Jesus says, I'm creating a new person, a new nature. I'm changing you. What does it say? Through the eternal spirit. What does that mean? Is that means that you have the very spirit of God that resurrected Jesus from the grave, living in you, screaming out a father that you have every bit of the spirit and see many of us we look at our lives and say man i'm struggling with this sin i'm it doesn't, it doesn't seem like i really have the freedom that's talked about in this new testament seem like i have the freedom that's talked about in jesus it doesn't seem like i have that freedom Maybe, maybe I need to go somewhere else. Maybe I need to, you know, read the Bible in a hundred different places. Maybe I'll learn Greek. Maybe I need to, you know, get a different baptism of the Spirit. Maybe I need more of the Spirit. Listen to me. You have every bit of the Spirit that you're ever going to have if you're saved. You have every bit of the Holy Spirit in you that you're ever going to have. You have everything you need for, God, for life and godliness. So if you're not experiencing the work of Christ in you, the, 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 the change, the transformation, the nature of Christ in you, one of two things is happening. Number one, you really never fully committed your life to Jesus. But number two, more, more often than not, it's because you're not walking in it. You're not walking in your new nature. See, the, the, the gift of Jesus, the, the best gift that you have on Christmas is a new nature that you can now walk into. You can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, that you could renew your mind, that you could change your life, that your life could be transformed, not by your effort, not by your actions, but by renewing your mind to the will of God, by actually following in step with Jesus. I think we make this so difficult. We make it so difficult. I've said this a hundred times, and I'll say it again. What we have here is a, the epic game of Simon Says. 
But we have a cheat sheet because we have the Holy Spirit, so he helps us. He helps us win, Simon says. So if you were like, man, I was horrible at Simon says, it's good because now we have the Holy Spirit. All this is, is we read the word, renew our minds of the word. We follow in step with God and, and we're gonna see his life coming forth, his nature coming forth. And if you're not experiencing that, it's because you have given yourself over to the lies and deceptions of the, the enemy. So my prayer for us is that we will experience the promise of Matthew chapter 21. And he shall bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins.